Hello, and welcome to this edition of our Team Gurus podcast. We are thrilled to have you listening, and we have a fantastic guest for you today. This is Mary Walter, and I'm here with Brian Buford. Hi there. Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody, wherever you may be. Terrific. You know, we have this podcast to share with you insights from leaders that we admire and who we believe lead great teams and great results. And so today we are just thrilled to have someone I consider a remarkable leader. Her name is Mariana Garavaglia. She is a director at Amazon and she oversees some of the most exciting and interesting things that Amazon's doing today, including Amazon's retail stores, Amazon books their kiosk program, the Kohl's partnership, and the brand new four-star stores. So Mariana has just been very successful at Amazon. It led the successful launch of Amazon Books, which brought the Amazon experience to life for customers across the U.S. She's had numerous operational and HR positions at Amazon, including serving as the country HR manager for Spain. Mariana is fluent in Spanish and English, and holds an MBA from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth and a BA from the University of Oklahoma. We are just thrilled to have you with us here today, Mariana. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mariana, and your background? Hi, thank you, Mary. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here today, and um, thank you for the the really warm and nice introduction. Um, Yes, absolutely. I'd be happy to talk to you a little bit about my journey. Um, as you said, I've been with Amazon a while. I've been with Amazon a little bit over 10 years, um, but my background has been pretty varied. I actually started right out of college as a teacher, as a kindergarten teacher. I was a bilingual teacher in Texas, and I taught for about five years. Uh, I taught various grades and uh, different programs, but uh, it has amazingly been a great foundational experience for me that really shaped a lot of how I operate today. So a little bit of a varied background, but I've been with the physical stores programs for nearly four years now with Amazon. That's fantastic. And my next question was going to be about what job shaped you as a leader, but I think serving as a kindergarten teacher has got to have had significant uh, learnings for you that you carried on through as a leader today. What, how did that shape you, Mariana? Um, well, I mean, I think the actual time in the classroom and being responsible for the education of all of these children and, you know, the, the big impact that I knew that I was going to have on their future was obviously something that definitely shaped how I approach uh, a responsibility that a teacher has, a responsibility that a, that a leader has in, in shaping the experience um, of the people that he or she is, um, is responsible for. I think another thing that really uh, that experience in particular helped shape is how uh, it, it was the first time I think that I really realized that leadership can show up in a lot of different ways and that um, understanding what your style is and what makes you impactful and effective is really important. I'll give you a quick example. So after I'd been teaching for a couple of years, I started um, onboarding new teachers and mentoring teachers with, uh, you know, kind of like how to write effective classrooms and, and, um, and uh, engaging classrooms. And as I was observing them and they would observe me, this whole idea of just being an authentic 
leader, having an authentic style that feels comfortable where you're not trying to be somebody that you're not and you're leveraging those superpowers that are so unique to you to bring this, you know, kind of classroom environment to life. And then later in my career to bring this organizational culture to life, like that was a super important shaping experience for me and a really important learning because it really took a lot of pressure off of in order to be a good leader, I have to be X and allowed me to really um, develop into the leader that I wanted to be, which was uh, a leader that felt comfortable for me and authentic for me. Terrific learning. And I also suspect it may be where you learned to handle adversity so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm facing different challenges, I'll go back and say, this is not as complicated or as difficult as that one situation 15 or 20 years ago. Right? right. That's true. <laughs> That's great. Terrific. And such an unconventional way to start as a business leader. Fantastic. Great. Maybe if I could dig in, just ask uh, Mariana, what... Um, what was something that maybe you were trying to be, something that wasn't the authentic you um, as either a teacher or a leader? Like what, what's something you learned that you needed to let go of and that you just wasn't oh, who yeah. you are, that, that you just needed? Great to question. Great question. Um, so as a teacher, my style, which is I, um, I like to build close relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to um, know about people both within the workplace and outside the workplace. I, I want people to feel like they can bring their whole selves to, to work. Um, that was the style that was very natural for me. That was how I operated as a teacher as well. I knew a lot about um, the, the children that I taught and was close to their families and, and cared about them outside of the classroom. And when I first joined um, the business world, um, I, one one very well-meaning manager said to me, have you ever thought, you, you, you're too nice, was the actual feedback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you, you know, have you ever thought about changing your style? Um, you might come across as perhaps not as serious. You laugh a lot. You ask mm-hmm. about, you know, people about what they're, what they're, what they're up to, what they're doing. And I thought about it a lot. And, um, and I wondered whether I should listen to that feedback. And then ultimately, I decided that I would be happier being uh, the you know true leader that feels most comfortable for me. That's not to say that I can't get better over time. Obviously, you continue to, to iterate on who you are and you become the very best version of yourself that you can be. But um, I decided I didn't want to become somebody else. Mm-hmm. And if that was limiting for me in my career, then, then so be it. And it actually turned out to be quite the opposite. I think that the more you can embrace um, who you are and leading through your strengths, the more successful um, as a leader that you're going to become. You know, fantastic. And I also think, you know, that choice and your willingness to be vulnerable and connect with people in a really individual and authentic way, you know, the research has really borne out that that's a terrific leadership style um, that works. So to your point, I think there's many styles at work. And the one that you exhibit, you know, certainly is one that that uh, you get kind of the last laugh in that feedback because it's it's been shown to be extremely effective. And I think it allows people to really connect with you in a much deeper way. For me, it's also just been more fun. I really enjoy the people that I work with, and I really want to um, uh, build relationships that matter. So it's uh, it's it's been it's been fun, but it has been a journey because you know, especially when you're more junior in your career, you 
you think that um, leadership has to fit a specific mold. And that for me has been a really important lesson to learn that leadership can show up in a lot of different ways. And early on, it's hard to kind of figure out, okay, you know, in terms of growing and changing, what, what's the difference between, you know, growing and evolving versus being somebody different and not being yeah. quote unquote art. I think it takes time right. and experience to kind of figure that out. Well, I guess on a, on a related note, in terms of the next question, what, how would you say that you've changed um, as a leader of teams uh, or team over time, if you're to compare who you are now with, um, you know, your your very first job as a leader of, of teams, whenever that might be, what's the biggest change? What do you do most differently? Um, I am an activator. I love to just jump in and roll up my sleeves and get things done. And one of the things that I have learned over time is that it actually ultimately makes your organization go faster if you slow down at first and before you jump into something, you pause and you really take the time to articulate the vision of what it is that you're trying to do. I think a lot of times as leaders, we might, because we've been exposed to more of the conversations and or we've had more time to digest what it is that we're trying to do, we incorrectly assume that that has filtered down to your frontline team. And that is not necessarily the case. And so, and even if you feel like you've communicated the whys, I have found that over time I've gotten much better at slowing down, particularly when there's change happening for the organization, to really start with the whys. What is it that we're trying to accomplish? Why is this important? How does this align with our mission and the vision of who we want to be as an organization? If you spend time doing that, then amazingly, um, you go much faster. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, and that's something that for me has been a little bit of an evolution. As somebody that has high bias for action um, and wants to jump in and start doing things, this idea of pausing and taking the time necessary to not activate anything at first and just uh, connect with your organization and explain the why has been has been really important, but it's been something yeah. that I've had to learn over time. And was there a specific experience or maybe feedback or, or, or a mentor or that kind of prompted or precipitated that change, which is... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I got feedback from one of my, <laughs> from, a, from a, a team member of mine, which yeah. it was amazing. She, um, so she, uh, she was new to Amazon. And so this whole idea of like, moving at a million miles a minute to me also just seems very natural because it's, it's, it's how we, it's how we operate. But she was, uh, she was new to the company and, um, I was throwing a lot. I was putting a lot on her plate and she was kind of trying to finish through her organization, some of the changes that we were going through. And, um, she was very, uh, brave. I didn't realize this is hard to do. Uh, and I didn't realize how hard it was, particularly being due to a company where she sat me down and she said, I have no idea what it is that we're trying to do. I, I'm not getting the whys. I'm not, you're not starting with why is it that we need to do this? I'm having a hard time being effective with my field teams because I 
lack the context and the understanding of what it is that we're trying to do. And for me, it was a great, she's also remote. And so a lot of the things that um, you learn by just being in close proximity to other people, those hallway conversations, those water cooler conversations, she was missing that context. And she had um, kind of the, you know, the, the, the courage to say, I-, I need you to stop and I need you to pause and help me uh, help my organization, which for me was a little bit of a light bulb moment. And uh, it's significantly impacted uh, how I think about pretty much any change that I'm trying to do for my organization or anything that's new that we're trying to roll out for the organization. How remarkable that she had the courage to give you that feedback and that it's been able, you know, you've incorporated in your leadership ever since. I think that's such a powerful message for all of us to remember that, you know, the boss needs feedback too. It, you know, it also makes me think uh, you have a unique role in that uh, you're at the top of this organization and you have a geographically dispersed organization and, you know, some of them quite far away. How do you know that the why is getting through all the way down to those associates that are touching customers in stores? I think um, it's really important to uh, stay connected to your customer and stay connected to the the um, the frontline associate. Um, and so when I go to stores, I spend a lot of time talking to our associates. And it's incredible to one of the things that's most rewarding, and then also a really good gut check for me when when I haven't done it well or when, when as an organization we haven't executed well is is uh, hearing either. Um, the message and the vision and the mission of what you're trying to do either flow super well down to the customer experience and the frontline associate, or there's something missing. But I think, I think that is how you validate. I think it's, it's difficult to manage through any other proxy. Um, going out there and seeing how your work, how the vision of what you're trying to do, and how the customer experience is coming to life, there's really no replacement for that. I couldn't agree more. I think uh, checking in on the ground floor, wherever that is, is so critical to see how your message is being received and and if people get the tough stuff, which is the why. It's wonderful. Well, Marianne, I know you're super passionate about teams and having a team that functions well together and is really high performance. Tell us about what's the best team you've been on or that you've witnessed and and what really was the secret sauce for that team? That's a good question. Um, I I consider myself very lucky because I I think that I've been super fortunate to have been on a number of terrific teams um, from teaching uh, to uh, to kind of some consulting jobs that I've done to uh, I had an internship in pharmaceutical as the various roles that I've had at Amazon. Um, that said, I, I love the, the, the current team that, um, that I'm leading and that I'm on right now. Um, I really love my team today. And partly it's that growing a business from the ground up is one, it's really hard work, <laughs> but it's, um, it's really, really fun. And seeing an idea come to life and seeing the customer reaction after that idea has come to life, there's, um, there's, there's just nothing really quite like it. And so um, that for me has made um, this team uh, probably the most, the most fun experience that I've had so far. 
just kind of a meaning and mission really, really important then to make it kind of exciting and fun to come to work. Absolutely. And I think regardless of if, as a leader, um, you, as a leader, your organization is always going to have meaning and, and vision and mission. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what life stage you're in, um, knowing what it is that you guys are trying to accomplish and what it is that you're doing and how you can bring that to life, um, I think is, uh, is critical. It's been, it's been somewhat easy in this role because, um, I've been here from the very beginning, so I'm very, I've got a ton of passion for the mission and vision and the experience that we're building. Uh, but every organization and every role has that. And so I think as a leader, kind of finding that and finding a great way to articulate it and, uh, in, in, in a meaningful way for your people, I think mm-hmm. is, is super, super important. And I can't help but also think that just the success that your team and your your company has had also contributes. I mean, um, you can have the mission and make it meaning, but just the results and the growth and the trajectory that you're on, that's got to be exciting. Oh, for sure. Yes. I mean, I I consider myself super, super fortunate, Um, you know, kind of hearing great customer uh, feedback and um, and having the great privilege of of. of growing and uh, uh, growing an organization absolutely makes it uh, makes it exciting. It's crazy. My my three and a half year old the other day we were in the car we were talking about somewhere going somewhere and and we were talking about the temperature and she just said Alexa what's the temperature? Oh, <laughs> well, honey, we don't have a, we don't have our Alexa with us in the car quite yet. And then we came home, swear to God, there are two other families in the building that uh, have young kids. And there were like 12 Amazon boxes (laughs) fluttering up the doorway. We know who's winning uh, for sure. I think Um, it's a good comment too, Brian, because, uh, you know, I think you're right. Winning goes a long way toward making a great team. And I think for leaders that are, you know, in a startup, it's an experience especially exciting time and a, and a way yeah. to capture that. What was uh, that great quote winners, you had, Mary, in that one session? Is like winning makes a team feel like winners? <laughs> it really I mean, does. I mean, it's really, it was really profound. It's like when people start winning, it, that, that makes a huge difference it's how, yeah. in terms of how they feel. Yeah, It really does. And I think uh, the challenge for leaders that are in more of a turnaround or transformation is uh, how do you create that winning feeling and that spirit? Because very quickly that'll catch on. But you're right. When yeah. people feel like they're losing, it's it's hard to act like a winner when you're losing. But I do think uh, Marianna has created that kind of environment on her team where they're winning and it just kind of builds on each other. Well, and, and on the flip side, so Marianna, the um, 2020 hindsight, what's, what's looking back one an experience or a mistake that you've made that resulted in really an important lesson in terms of how you um, lead teams and what what teams from what your team needs from you in terms of leadership. Yeah, um, I I think um, this is another piece of feedback that I got, and I'm happy to tell share the story. It's, uh, I think I'm a better listener mm-hmm. than I used to be. Um, I try to do much more listening and much less talking than um, <laughs> than I used to. I think the the 
key thing, um, the key thing that I learned there is that, especially earlier on, and especially given that I know that I have this tendency to want to kind of jump in and activate on things and the spice for action that we talked about, it, it became easy for me to come into meetings and essentially say, okay, this is what we've got to do and start going into action plan. And there's two things that that approach did. One, it it stifled conversation and engagement uh, because it didn't give people the opportunity to really buy into the mission and the vision themselves. It's it's much more compelling if you feel like you've come to the decision of what it is that you're going to be doing moving forward on your own versus if somebody uh, told you what to do. So that was that was first the first thing that my approach did, which was not not as effective as it could have been. And then the second piece is that it actually, um, it's stifled conversation that you want to have because you want to make sure that you've, you, you're, um, you've got people and teams that tell you when they think uh, you're not thinking about a problem the right way. And so the second thing that the approach did was that it actually prevented not it was it was one the buy-in, but two it 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 um it prevents potentially way better ideas from being surfaced. And so I've uh, significantly adjusted my approach over time. And my approach that I use now is here here is the you know the, the problem that we have here here is the goal that we're trying to go after? What do you guys think? With these tenets that we hold true, with this culture that we hold true, with this approach that we hold true, within those guardrails, kind of those, that framework already defined, if this is our problem that we're trying to solve, if this is, you know, the opportunity that we're trying to go after, how do you guys think we should do it? And I try to speak last and kind of give my opinion last so that, one, I don't influence the course of the conversation. And two, I, I get the great privilege and opportunity to listen and to hear what other people think before uh, giving my opinion. And my opinion a lot of times changes over the course of the conversation because I've gotten to hear other perspectives that are uh, compelling and great and uh, not necessarily the way that I was thinking about the problem. So I think that's probably, um, probably one area of evolution that I. Uh, that kind of in hindsight and looking back, I think I, I was not as effective earlier in my career as I could have been uh, because of my approach of kind of going in and wanting to do problem solving right away versus um, giving space and the opportunity for conversation before we jump into solutions. That skill of listening, uh, we know how critical it is. I know, Brian, you have some research around how important it is to develop that skill and how people on your team will see you when you just develop that one skill. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if uh, there's some research that showed that if leaders just improve their listening vis-a-vis -vis their direct reports and, and peers, that everybody saw them as more strategic, better delegator, better people managers, that there was just an exponential multiplicative effect of, of great listening. And, and, uh, and that also, if you are really good at listening and also driving for results, those two competencies rarely kind of hold together. And, and uh, it's rare to find that, that 
tend to be in, I think, in the 95th percentile in terms of management effectiveness. I mean, it's hard to be a really great listener and also drive for results, certainly possible. But say if there's two, two, two skills to, to work on or to, to shoot for, those are, uh, those are two. I think we just titled your uh, book when you read it, Mariana, Leaders, yeah. Leaders Speak Last. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is a book already titled. <laughs> is there a, some variation of that. Right. It's, yeah. it's such a great best practice. Yeah. You know, Marianne, I want to talk to you about um, hiring for a moment. I know how passionate you are. You and I have had many conversations about hiring great talent and how critical it is. And I know Amazon as well is passionate on this topic and has a number of practices in place to make sure uh, that the talent coming on board is truly exceptional. One question I have for you is how do you balance hiring really high talented individuals that are experts and, and are going to do terrific in their individual roles with team players? Sometimes those things mm-hmm be in conflict do you ever find that conflict when you're interviewing and how do you make sure that somebody coming on is not only talented as an individual but can be a good team player as well yeah 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 and uh, thank you for the question because you're I think you're absolutely right I, I consider hiring probably the most important thing that I do ultimately it's your most enduring legacy and um and it's some of the most impactful decisions that you make are, are uh, the people that you bring onto your team and the people that you hire. Um, it's a good question. I think what I, I tend to look for two specific traits and attributes. And um, I look for these because I think they're outputs of really, really good inputs and really good practices that, um, uh, that you do as an individual in order to, to achieve these, uh, these, these attributes and these attributes and these things that I look for uh, most consistently are the ability to earn trust and high levels of curiosity and being uh, being willing to and excited about learning new things. So I'll break both of those elements down. The first one, which is uh, an ability to earn trust, I think that's really important because it touches not only on the team player piece, um, it touches on performance. If you think about the people that you trust the most, you trust them because they do certain key inputs really, really well. Mm-hmm. They um, they write a lot. They deliver results consistently. You can count on them. They readily admit mistakes. You know, they uh, they have humility. They're vocally self-critical. Um, they're dependable. They're tenacious. Those, if you if you start to think about attributes of people that you trust, um, to me, you earn trust by doing certain key things really, really well. And so, I ask a lot of questions that essentially tie back to to trust. The second piece, which talks about kind of performance, is um, is this ability and uh, curiosity, like ability to learn, willingness to learn, uh, curiosity and willingness and openness to thinking about problems in a different way. Because I find that if you have both of those things, um, the other pieces you can teach. Obviously, you're going to need some key skills. If you're going to be hiring a statistician, you got to find a statistician, right? So you, you need you need the key skills to be there. Um, but the things that are hardest to coach and the things that are um, 
hardest to to develop and teach over time to me are that are, are those attributes the good inputs that lead to you consistently being able to earn other people's trust and this passion for learning and curiosity and 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 getting excited about being in ambiguous spaces where you actually have to think about problems and learn in a different way um, I find that actually more valuable than um, uh, perhaps hiring deep, 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 like, oh, I've done this for a really long time. I know exactly how to do it, and I'm, and I'm going to come in um, and do exactly that. If, if, they have, if a candidate has that piece, but they don't have the other two pieces uh, of earned trust and kind of this ability to learn and be curious, uh, I don't. I don't optimize for that in hiring. And what are maybe some not necessarily red flags, maybe yellow flags? I mean, probably the people you're interviewing are pretty darn talented and skilled, and they're not going to say anything in an interview that's you know a major of major concern. But what what's something you might hear or see that that gives you pause? Saying huh, they might not have one or both of those things. I think that's a great combo. I really like how you describe it. Yeah, I think you can ask, um, if you ask candidates about tough, like tough problems that they've had to solve or, or, or situations that they've been in where they felt like they had to accomplish a really like an impossible mission. And then you decompose that and you ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. um, and you actually spend more time perhaps on one or two examples. I find that you can get a lot more meat about the how a candidate is interacting in a real world example versus if you pepper a lot of questions but don't dive deep into a couple of examples to really understand the context of what it is that they're um, that they're explaining. If, if you ask a pretty meaty question like a really difficult problem that that a person had to solve or a really difficult um, milestone that they had to achieve to to achieve, or, or or perhaps a big a big thing that um, that they wanted to that perhaps they they wanted to achieve that they weren't able to, and then you start asking a lot of the whys, and well, tell me a little bit more about that, and why did that happen, and well, how did that person react, and what did you do, and um, you start to hear a lot about the framework that the candidate uses in terms of problem solving. Managing through ambiguity, managing through difficult situations, um, and so for me, I have found it, and this is just my my two cents, but I have found it to be more uh, productive to spend a little bit more time on a couple of questions versus perhaps an hour and asking, you know, yeah. thirteen questions where we 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 don't go um, you don't go deep uh, with them. So that for, that for me, and again, that that's just my my approach and my two cents, but I have found that to be effective. Who is the best team leader that you've worked for or that you've observed? Like a, a real model and somebody that you aspire to be like. And if you could share any specifics, you know, stories or anecdotes to flesh it out, that'd be great. Yeah, I think this is a hard question because again, it if as I think about this question, I have a number of faces that come to mind and they're from all walks of life, whether it's, you know, um, Amazon or business school, um, teaching. Um, and so as I was thinking about this question for me, it's more of, um, like what have some of the best 
leaders that I have seen, um, what are they, what have they all having, are, are there threads that tie them all together? Um, I think the key, the key thing, and I'm thinking of a couple of, I've got a couple of faces um, that I'm thinking about right now. And I think the key thing that they have that tie them all together, in spite of the fact that their backgrounds and their the work that they do is really different, is first they have what we talked about earlier, a very clear passion and mission and vision for what it is that they're doing, an engagement and a passion around what they're doing that is true and authentic and you can, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like a really good ability to work backwards from that, from that kind of true North, from that North star that they have mm-hmm. um, in, in, in teaching. And then also here and actually a, a, a a professor that I really, really enjoyed working with. It's like everything that they did, that these leaders that I'm thinking about did, um, tied back to that. Is it serving my North Star? Is it serving my vision of what it is that I'm trying to do? Is it contributing to that? Is it detracting from that? Um, and then tenacity, right? Uh, I think that part's really important mm-hmm. there. They, they, it's, if you're that passionate about the mission of what it is that you're trying to do, you know, you have to be tenacious through adversity. And these, yeah. these leaders that I'm thinking about, they all have that. They all, they all have that. They all display that. And, um, and they do it in a very humble way, which I think is also super important. So, um, I, and I think what's, what's great about that is that it's actually, uh, it's, it's an easy recipe. It's hard to do, 